Chapter 14 of Mother Carrie's Chickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joyce Couch. Mother Carrie's Chickens by Kate Douglas Wiggins. Chapter 14 Ways and Means. It was late June, and Gilbert had returned from school so the work of making the yellow house attractive and convenient was to move forward at once. Up to now, the unpacking and distribution of the furniture, with the daily housework and cooking, had been all that Mrs. Carey and the girls could manage. A village jack-of-all-trades, Mr. Ossian Popham, generally and familiarly called Osh Poppin, had been called in to whitewash existing closets and put hooks in them. Also, with Bill Harmon's consent, to make new ones here and there in handy corners. Dozens of shelves and odd spaces helped much in the tidy stowing away of household articles, bed-clothing, and stores. In the midst of this delightful and cheery setting to rights, a letter arrived from Cousin Anne. The family was all sitting together in Mrs. Carey's room, the announced intention being to hold an important meeting of the Ways and Means Committee, the Careys being strong on ways and uniformly short of means. The arrival of letters by the hand of Bill Harmon's boy occurred before the meeting was called to order. "'May I read Cousin Anne's aloud?' asked Nancy, who had her private reasons for making the offer. "'Certainly,' said Mrs. Carey unsuspectingly, as she took up the inevitable stockings. "'I almost wish you had all been storks instead of chickens. Then you would have always held up one foot, and perhaps that stocking, at least, wouldn't have had holes in it.' "'Poor Maddie!' "'I'm learning to darn,' cried Kathleen, kissing her. "'Longhampton, New Jersey, June 27th. "'My dear Margaret,' so Nancy read, "'the climate of this seaside place suits me so badly "'that I have concluded to spend the rest of the summer with you, "'lightening those household tasks which fall so heavily upon your shoulders.' "'Groans from the whole family greeted this opening passage.' and Gilbert cast himself face down on his mother's lounge. "'It is always foggy here when it does not rain, and the cooking is very bad. The manager of the hotel is uncivil, and the office clerks very rude, so that Beulah, unfortunate place of residence as I consider it, will be much preferable. I hope you are getting on well with the work of the house, although I regard your treating it as if it were your own, as the height of extravagance. You will never get back a penny you spend on it, and probably, when you get it in good order, Mr. Hamilton will come back from Europe and live in it himself, or take it away from you and sell it to someone else. Gilbert will be home by now, but I should not allow him to touch the woodwork, as he is too careless and unreliable. She'll never forget that the bed came down with her, exclaimed Gilbert, his voice muffled by the sofa cushions. Remember me to Julia. I hope she enjoys her food better than when I was with you. Children must eat if they would grow. Mother Carrie pricked her ears at this point, and Gilbert raised himself on one elbow, but Nancy went on gravely. Tell Kathleen to keep out of the sun or wear a hat, as her complexion is not at all what it used to be, without color and with freckles, she will be an unusually plain child. Kathleen flushed angrily and laid down her work. "'Give my love to darling Nancy. What a treasure you have in your eldest, Margaret,' 
i hope that you are properly grateful for her such talent such beauty such grace such discretion but here the family rose in mass and descended on the reader of this spurious letter just as she had turned the first page in the amiable scuffle that ensued a blue slip fell from cousin anne's envelope and gilbert handed it to his mother with the letter mrs carey wiping the tears of merriment that came to her eyes in spite of her so exactly had nancy caught cousin anne's epistolary style read the real communication which ran as follows dear margaret i have had you much in mind since i left you always with great anxiety lest your strength should fail under the unexpected strain you put upon it i had intended to give each of you a check for thirty-five dollars at christmas to spend as you liked but i must say i have not entire confidence in your judgment you will be likelier far to decorate the walls of the house than to bring water into the kitchen sink i therefore enclose you three hundred dollars and beg that you will have the will piped at once and if there is any way to carry the water to the bedroom floor do it and let me send the extra amount involved you will naturally have the will cleaned out anyway but i should prefer to never know what you have found in it my only other large gift to you in the past was one of ornaments sent you remember at the time of your wedding we remember groaned the children in chorus i do not regret this though my view of life of its sorrows and perplexities has changed somewhat and i am more practical than i used to be the general opinion is in giving for a present an object of permanent beauty your friends think of you whenever they look upon it that's so remarked gilbert to nancy this is true no doubt but there are other ways of making yourself remembered and i am willing that you should think kindly of cousin anne whenever you use the new pump the second improvement i wish made with the money is the installment of a large furnace-like stove in the cellar which will send up a little heat at least into the hall and lower rooms in the winter you probably will have to get the owner's consent and i should certainly ask for a five years lease before expending any considerable amount of money on the premises if there is any money left i suggest new sills to the back doors and those in the shed i notice that the present ones are very rotten and i dare say by this time you have processions of red and black ants coming into your house it seems to me i never saw so much insect life as in beulah moths caterpillars brown tails slugs spiders june bugs horse flies and mosquitoes were among the pests i specially noticed the mr poppin who drove me to the station said that snakes also abounded in the tall grass but i should not lay any stress on his remarks as i never saw such manners in my life in any christian civilized community he asked me my age and when i naturally made no reply he inquired after a few minutes silence whether i was unmarried from choice or necessity when i refused to carry on conversation with him he sang jovial songs so audibly that persons going along the street smiled and waved their hands to him i tell you this because you appear to have false ideas of the people in beulah most of whom seem to me either eccentric or absolutely insane hoping that you can endure your life there when the water smells better and you do not have to carry it from the well i am yours affectionately anne chadwick children said mrs carey folding the letter and slipping the check into the envelope for safety your cousin anne is really a very good woman i wish her bed hadn't come down with her said gilbert 
we could never afford it to get that water into the house or had the little furnace and i suppose no one of us ever thought of it that you would have had a hard time doing the work in the winter in a cold house and it would have been dreadful going to the pump dreadful for you too gilly replied kathleen pointedly i shall be at school where i can't help said gilbert mrs carey made no remark as she intended the fact that there was no money for gilbert's school tuition at eastover to sink gradually into his mind so that he might make the painful discovery himself his fees had fortunately been paid in advance up to the end of the summer term so the strain on their resources had not been felt up until now nancy had disappeared from the room and now stood in the doorway i wish to remark having said a good many disagreeable things about cousin anne and regretting them very much i have placed the four black and white marble ornaments on my bedroom mantelpiece there to be a perpetual reminder of my sins you dirty boy is in a hundred pieces in the barn chamber but if cousin ann ever comes to visit us again i'll be the one to confess that gilly and i were the cause of the accident now take your pencil nancy and see where we are in point of income at the present moment her mother suggested with an improving smile put down the pension of thirty dollars a month down three hundred and sixty dollars now the hundred dollars over and above the rent of the charleston house down but it lasts only four years we may all be dead by that time this cheerfully from gilbert then the interest on our insurance money four per cent on five thousand dollars is two hundred i have multiplied it twenty times down two hundred of course if anything serious happens or any great need comes we have the five thousand a year to draw upon interpolated gilbert i will draw upon that to save one of us in illness or to bury one of us said mrs carey with determination but i will never live out of it myself nor permit you to we are five six why julia's with us she added hastily and six persons will surely have rainy days coming to them what if i should die and leave you don't mother they cried in chorus so passionately that Mrs. Carey changed the subject quickly. How much a year does it make, Nancy? Three hundred and sixty plus one hundred plus two hundred equals six hundred and sixty, read Nancy, and I call it a splendid fake lump of money. Oh, my dear, sighed her mother with a shake of her head. If you knew the difficulty your father and I have had to take care of ourselves and of you on five and six times that sum we may have been a little extravagant sometimes following him about he was always so anxious to have us with him but that has been our only luxury we saved enough out of exchanging the grand piano to pay all the expenses down here and all our railway fares and everything so far in the way of boards and nails and osh poppins labor recalled gilbert yes and we're still eating the grand piano at the end of two months but it's about gone isn't it muddy nancy asked about gone but it's been a great help and our dear little old-fashioned square is just as much of a comfort of course there's the tapestry and the van twiller landscape uncle gave me they may yet be sold somebody'll buy the tapestry but the van twiller'll go hard and gilbert winked at nancy a picture that looks the same upside down as the right way about it won't find many buyers was nancy's idea still it's a fan twiller and it has a certain authentic value for all time the landscape's fan twiller painted in the dark or when he had his blinders on can't be worth very much insisted gilbert you remember 
The Admiral thought it was Partridge's nesting in the underbrush at twilight. And then we found Joanna had cleaned the dining room and hung the thing upside down. When it was hung the other end up, neither father nor the Admiral could tell what it was. They had lost the partridges and couldn't find anything else. We shall get something for it because it is a Van Twiller, said Mrs. Carey, hopefully. And the tapestry is lovely. We have been doing all our own work to save money enough to make the house beautiful. Yet, as Cousin Anne says, it does not belong to us and may be taken away at any moment after the year is up. We never have even seen our landlord, though Mr. Harmon has written to him. Are we foolish? What do you think, Julia? End of chapter 14